This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. Welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. It is Saturday morning, and thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. We begin our weekend program with a leading voice who has not only served as a public servant in the high offices of our land, he continues to advance America's constitutional principles and our Judeo-Christian values. In 1994, the Honorable Sam Brombeck was elected to the House of Representatives and was then elected to the U.S. Senate in 1996. Then U.S. Senator Brombeck honored a term limits pledge and ran for governor of Kansas in 2010. He became the 46th governor of the Sunflower State in 2011 and was re-elected in 2014. President Donald Trump nominated Governor Brownback to serve as ambassador-at-large for international religious freedom in 2017, and he currently serves as co-chair of the International Religious Freedom Summit. And without any further delay, we welcome Governor Sam Brownback to America's Roundtable. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Governor Brownback. Good morning to you, and good morning to all of your listeners. Just delighted to be able to join you, and thank you for offering this platform to talk about the current issues of the day. Thank you, yeah. sir. Governor Brombeck, you recently returned from a journey to Israel, joined by trusted allies, former Governor Mike Huckabee from the state of Arkansas, and Ambassador Ken Blackwell, who served as America's top diplomat to the United Nations Human Rights Committee. This journey to the Jewish state was perhaps very different from previous trips since this took place after October 7, 2023. Uh, Governor Brownback, October 7, 2023 is fading in the background, yet we believe it is vitally important to remember what happened on that fateful day, uh, the worst day in the lives of Israelis and Jews around the world since the Holocaust. Uh, the Hamas and Palestinian jihadist terrorists killed some 1,200 people. They perpetrated acts of torture, mutilation and sexual violence. Over 6,900 people were injured. And there are some still 130 Israelis, including Americans, held captive in Gaza. 200,000 Israelis have been internally displaced from the Israel's north and the south. Uh, Governor Brownback, could you describe for engaged listeners your first impressions when you entered Kibbutz Kfar Aza? How did October 7, known as Israel September 11, impact the people of Israel? It stunned them made them realize uh, in, a, in a very tangible way uh, the violence that's in the neighborhood, that they are uh, nearly surrounded by people that literally want to drive them into the ocean. Uh, 
And they've known this for a long period of time, but it's like there's been this uh, uneasy settling into, okay, we're here, you're there. There was starting to be some acceptance by uh, predominantly Muslim countries of this nation of Israel. Uh, it seemed like it was just settling into a bit of a routine It's going to work through. And then October 7th shattered that. It was like, no, we have people right here next to us on our borders that want to mutilate and murder and kill us and drive us into the ocean. And what I saw and what I felt, too, in Israel was there was just a change of mentality then. I've been there eight, nine times. Uh, but this time it was different. It was like we have an existential threat. It is right here. We will not be the generation uh, of Israelis, of Jewish people that lose the state. We are going to fight. We're going to defend the land. Uh, we're happy to have other people support us. But regardless of that, we are going to defend this nation and this and this sovereignty. And we are going to move forward. And that's what you've seen now in Gaza. And any loss of life is terrible by anybody. It's all terrible. Mm. Uh, but you're also looking at Israel being a this is the people on their borders seek to wipe the whole nation out. And just to, from the river to the sea, uh, what that means is no more Israel. And they will not, the Israeli people will not be part of a generation that loses the nation after 2,000 years of wandering the world and coming back. They're not going to lose it now. Uh, you know, Governor Brownback, Hamas's attack on Israel happened, as you mentioned, uh, on the verge of historic agreement for normalization of relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel, which was a continuation of the successful Abraham Accords under the Trump administration and President Trump's leadership, which led for the first time to the normalization of relations between Israel and Arab countries, UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan. So Abraham Accords demonstrated that peoples of Israel and Arab countries in the region aspire to peace, security, and prosperity. And signing of the Abraham Accords also was a historic accomplishment in bringing peoples together against Iran. They all aligned uh, against regime, which is driven by its dangerous aim to develop nuclear weapons and terrorize its neighbors. Uh, Governor Brownback, when Hamas is eliminated, what would it take for Abraham Accords to be adopted by the new Palestinian leadership? You'd have to take a new leadership in Iran. You, you look, at, at the end of the day, the problem is Iran. You have a terrorist regime that is funding a terrorist operation in Hamas, in Hezbollah, in the Houthis. They are the ones you're going to have to see a change of leadership in Iran. And fortunately, there is a domestic internal to Iran change of leadership movement that's underway. There are a number, there are millions of Iranian people in Iran who want a different leadership than the 40 plus years that they've had from the ruling Ayatollahs. They're tired of the the theocracy that hasn't produced a better nation. It's produced a worse situation for the people on the ground. They're tired of being a terrorist nation. There are many of them, they don't want to be a part of the axis of evil. The people mm. in Iran, the leadership does, part of the alliance with Russia and China and North Korea and Afghanistan and Iran, they don't want to be that axis of evil. Uh, but until you see that change of leadership in Iran, you're going to continue to see these problems. And they're going to be problems not only for Israel, they're going to be problems for the, the more normalized Sunni 
Muslim countries in the region like Saudi Arabia. At the, at the end of the day, this was set up, organized, and caused by Iran, and will continue until you see a change in leadership in Iran. Governor Brownback, today we are witnessing here in America the public manifestation of hatred for Jews and the people of Israel like never before. And some of this is being brazenly pushed by Palestinian Americans, as we witnessed last weekend in Washington, D.C., when protesters were attempting to breach the White House fence. And we have also seen elected officials including Michigan Congresswoman Rashid Tlaib, on the front line stoking the flames of discord and also hatred. And many of her colleagues, including prominent Jewish members, joined Republicans in censuring her, especially because of a slogan she has used time and time again as widely seen as calling for the eradication of Israel. And Governor Brownback, we have seen on our college campuses how this manifestation, this explosion of anti-Semitism has really terrified students that are Jewish students on college campuses. And then we sort of try to reflect on this and wonder what is happening on college campuses and if they're not getting that information. And in December 2023, the New York Times issued the results of their own investigation into reports of sexual violence that took place during the October 7 terrorist attack in Israel. And their investigation found that Hamas used sexual violence, including rape and genital mutilation, in a systemic manner against victims. And Governor Brownback, what are the steps that we must take as Americans to address the rise of anti-Semitism within our midst and the larger question, how do we as a society address the convoluted manner in which evil is glorified on one hand and moral clarity is derided on the other side? You know, my big concern uh, in what you've just described uh, is that what I observe in this country and what I'm just really deeply concerned about is us walking away from the very basis of Western civilization. Mm. You know, we, we, I, I want to see, I, I want to see the presidential candidates, all of them, when they're asked, why are you running for president? Say, I'm running to save Western civilization. Western civilization has led the world for a thousand years it's built upon the very essence of the Judeo-Christian ethic, along with Greek reasoning, the ability to discover natural law, which is law that God built into the nature of how we are and how things are. Uh, and we're walking away from that very basis. The, the very root of that, that Judeo-Christian ethic, is that we're each created in the image of God. We carry the image of the divine within us, and as such, we are of invaluable measure. There, there is no worth you can put on a, a single human individual. It's incredibly valuable. It has We have human rights because we're created in the image of God. Uh, and we're walking away from the very basis of those that civilization that's caused prosperity, uh, in the world has been a foundation for human rights in the world. We've had our problems. We've had our issues. We've had things like slavery, things of indigenous rights. We, we've clearly, we've had flaws. But overall, this basis of Western civilization has produced an openness, a freedom, a prosperity in the world the world had never seen. And we're 
we're walking away from that. It's built on that Judeo-Christian ethic of a relationship with God. And that's what deeply concerns me about this. We've got to get back to the very basics of this. I I hope people uh, start teaching and requiring students to learn Western civilization. Again, just the foundations of it, what it's, what it's built on, because I just really am concerned that we're walking away from the very foundations of what this society is built on. One final point, this answer has gone longer than I want to, but a couple of uh, friends of mine were pointing out to me that when this happens to a society, when you see this anti-Semitism come in, it, it, it's horrible for Jewish people, but the Jewish people are going to survive. God's given them a promise. They're going to survive. But the society that allows it to take root often does not. And it and it really diminishes that culture that allows an anti-Semitism to take root and flower. That's what is so dangerous for us is to allow that anti-Semitism to, to grow uh, and to linger uh, because it's really going to produce disastrous results in our society and culture. And Governor Brownback, you formerly served as ambassador at large for international religious freedom, and you have continued this important work, this important role with coalitions around the globe to protect and promote the fundamental human right to religious liberty. And Governor Brownback, you have stated, and I quote, religious freedom is a cornerstone of America's constitutional democracy and was at the heart of America's founding, unquote. And over the years, we've seen what has happened in China with the Chinese Communist Party uh, really uh, oppressing people when it comes to expressing their freedom of religion, which they do not have in China. And uh, the Communist Party in China has been long opposed to religious freedom in general, and they support that notion of Lenin. And I'd like to just briefly quote uh, Lenin's statement, which states, and I quote, religion and communism are incompatible in theory as well as in practice. We must fight religion, unquote. And in response, President Reagan stated, and I quote, atheism is not an incidental element of communism, not just part of the package. It is the package, unquote. Governor Brownback, from your vantage point, what is the state of religious freedom in our world today? And could you share with us the International Religious Freedom Summit that you and your colleagues are organizing right here in Washington, D.C.? Well, we're organizing that to take place January 30th, 31st, Washington Hilton Hotel. Uh, you can sign up on our website, irfsummit.org, and attend. Love to have you there. It's the largest gathering of religious freedom activists uh, annually in the world. Uh, the state of religious freedom is that there's a growing movement for it. It's the most important human rights movement today on the planet because it's this cornerstone human right. Uh, and we've been losing ground on the Human Rights Project globally, and here's one that's got some momentum. But at the same time, our challenges are enormous to religious freedom. And the lead amongst them really is, is China and its war on faith. And it's, it's at war not just with Christianity. It's at war with Islam and Buddhism and Falun Gong and just every faith because Religion's the one institution that survives in most countries that can actually stand up to a government. And the Chinese communists want nothing that can stand up to them. And they want nothing to be seen as a higher authority than the government. Which just think, how, 
how despairing of a world is it if the highest authority you can appeal to is the government? Mm. As flawed as it is in so many different places, and I'm, I've been a part of government, I, I look at it as a tool that in its best cases can be used for good, but I've also seen it used for evil. And if this is our highest good that we can appeal to, we can't appeal to God Almighty, what despairing situation you create in the world, if that's the case. And th this is one of the great conflicts that we're setting up right now in this, in this growing Cold War between the United States and China, is this core issue of religious freedom. For us, it's a foundational cornerstone human right. For the Chinese Communist Party, it's an existential threat. You couldn't get it more defined or different than that, too, between those two systems. And Governor Brombach, from a practical perspective for our engaged listeners, the laity, uh, civil society leaders, and even those that are statewide elected officials, what can they do? in their local communities, in states across America, to strengthen this movement, to support what you're doing? What steps can they take? They can, they can form local uh, groups of religious freedom activists, of everybody in the, in the community and, and of all different types of faith or no faith at all, to form together a religious freedom council to stand up and to fight in their community. You know, a guy pointed out to me one time that in the Revolution, American Revolutionary War, uh, George Washington fought in 30, 35 of the battles. I don't remember the exact number he told me. And there were hundreds of battles in the American Revolutionary War. George Washington wasn't in most of them. Uh, it was local people that organized and fought against the British. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to fight here and we need to help our brothers and sisters overseas that are in these fights as well in many places, whether it's in China or India, we're seeing a lot of difficulties there, or in Nigeria or in Nicaragua or wherever the case might be. People know folks that are overseas that are being persecuted, and we need to stand up and fight for them. Again, come to the, the Earth Summit and you'll get a real connecting to these uh, different grassroots movements around the world. That site again, irfsummit.org, irfsummit.org, sign up and come. Mm, right. Uh, Governor Brownback, another threat to Western civilization is a massive illegal immigration. And sources within Customs and Border Protection have reported that migrant encounters hit a staggering 300,000 incidents in the last month of 2023. So between December 1 and December 31, more than 302,000 migrants were documented attempting to cross the U.S. southern border. And that is just for one month. Uh, the number of you know, 300,000 individuals entering the U.S. illegally is actually the size of cities such as Tampa, Florida, or Toledo, Ohio. Uh, so cities uh, across the country, and specifically these century cities, are now experiencing the crisis that border states have been facing since Biden took office. On top of that, an Iranian national with links to terrorism attempted to cross illegally into the U.S. via the northern border. And in fiscal year 2023, there were 484 encounters of people on the FBI sterile watch list that were entering the country. Uh, Governor Brownback, what is your advice to the administration to deal with the crisis on the southern border and also as a threat to Western civilization? You got to build the fence. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, there's an old Western saying that good fences make good neighbors. You have to build the fence. It, look, we're we're a nation of immigrants other than the Native Americans who are here. So we've all come from somewhere, but it's been a regularized system. Right. It's a system where you don't just walk in. Uh, and so you've got to build that border and get back control, uh, particularly of that southern border. Uh, that's just absolutely critical for us to do. It, to me, is kind of unfathomable why we haven't done this now with this crisis and why even the Biden administration isn't saying, OK, OK, it's time to really try to do something here and build the fence. I and, and I it, I mean, I think it's a it's a complete challenge to the country, particularly the current security environment, because you really don't know who's getting into the country and what sort of uh, nefarious uh, ideas and methods and means that they're carrying with them. And Governor Brownback, uh, this year is a presidential election year. Uh, there's state uh, races as well, uh, in fact, senators and members of Congress. Uh, so this is a very important year for America and its future. And at the same time, we find that there's a great number of our fellow Americans that are disengaging themselves from the political arena. Uh, we saw a statistic recently from the evangelical community, for example, that said 30% of evangelical Christians are not even registered to vote. And yet they do pray about the concerns about this country. So what is your message to the community of faith in this country that is grappling with some of these great concerns in America, and what should they do in order to, you know, reclaim these shared values and have uh, good people elected at state level uh, positions and Senate, the House, and the White House? You know, when I uh, when I first ran for Congress, I would have a different people of faith would often come up to me and say, why do you want to go back to that Dennis Snakes uh, back there? And, you know, I'd, I'd answer, well, I, it's a calling. I, I really mm -hmm. feel like I need to be doing this. And government's talked about a fair amount in the Bible uh, about being used by God for uh, for good. And we should pray for our leaders in authority. And yet there's this current kind of movement within Christendom about you know, Christians have gotten too engaged in politics. We just ought to pull back and and go to church, but not engage in in government. That this is sullies the faith, or it it's it's harming uh, the witness. And uh, I don't I don't read that uh, in what I see. I what I think is that you you've got these major cultural issues going on in the country. Uh, today, and government is a main player in it. Uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was a, a great cultural commentator, and, and I served in the Senate with him. He wrote this in one of his books. He said, you know, the, the central conservative truth is that culture is more important than government. Hmm. And he was right. It is what we believe and think and what we value is more important than government. He said the central liberal truth is you can use government to change culture. Hmm. And I go, yes, you can do that, too. Look at your abortion laws. Look at your marriage laws. Look at all these things. These things change culture. The law is a teacher in that sense. And so if Christians abandon the public square and just say, ah, that's kind of dirty uh, stuff, I'm just going to say stay in my uh, church, 
you're abandoning the public square. You're ab abandoning its role uh, in the culture. You're really abandoning that to uh, forces that, that are going to push the culture in a negative way for everybody. Uh, and you shouldn't do that. You should engage. I mean, and you should engage as a lovingly. You should engage as a person of faith. You should, your faith should be out there, but you should engage. So please vote. Please get engaged. And if you feel the call for it, run. Run for a school board. Run for the city council. Run for a, a county commissioner. The, we, it, the bodies need good people. Hmm. Right. And we need actually your advice as a former lawmaker, as the U.S. Senator. At this time, when the U.S. national debt just topped a new record high of $34 trillion, Americans are paying over $2 billion in interest a day on this debt. Uh, the U.S. federal government posted a December deficit of $129 billion, $44 billion or 52% up from a year earlier. And Governor Brownback, this level of debt presents a threat of e to economy and national security. As a former U.S. Senator, what is your advice to Congress and American people? We got to start cutting the spending, and and got to start by cutting the government. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to start with, okay, the big uh, elephant in the room is entitlements. Let's cut the entitlements, uh, and it, it is the big elephant in the room, but. I don't think you're ever going to get the American people to agree to saying, OK, raising your retirement age on Social Security or something like that until the government bleeds itself. Mm. The amount of spending on things that are far less than high priority for the country or old problem programs that accomplished their purposes or missed it and ought to be eliminated, it, it, it keeps going on. Uh, you could cut, I believe, a number of these bureaucracies, at least a third, at wow. least a third, and have better government, not worse government. And, and I, th I think you can, in many cases, eliminate programs and just say, look, we've accomplished the purpose, mission done, or it missed the mark. Get it out of here. And until that happens, you are never going to convince the American people that we're serious about dealing with the, the debt until there's some actual changes in Washington. And so to me, step one is to, to really let's get after this. Let's cut this bureaucracy. And I know the numbers are small relative to entitlement programs, but you're just not credible until Washington itself shows that it's being literally cut back. And then you can start to build a little credibility with the American public on other decisions. Governor Brownback, we truly appreciate your time and this extended time that you've taken out of your busy schedule. We would encourage our engaged listeners to visit irfsummit.org, learn more about the International Religious Freedom Summit, and get involved in this most important cause. Uh, Governor Brownback, thank you so much for your continued leadership on this vital front and other key fronts of our nation's future. Thank you, Governor Brownback. Thank you. God bless you all. Take care.
God Thank bless you. you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott and Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com.